Hello again, everyone. This is Carl Palachuk from Small Biz Thoughts. Welcome to yet another special edition of this SMB Community Podcast. And this is number four in the series that we're doing with Solar Winds. And I'm joined today by my good friend, Dave Sobel, who is the Senior Director of MSP Evangelism for Solar Winds MSP. Welcome, sir. Well, as always, thanks for having me back. So I have to say, so Dave has got lots of great experience. And uh, in addition to being a former MSP, uh, has also uh, worked with Microsoft as an MVP and uh, has been several years with SolarWinds. So uh, he, he knows this stuff. And today is episode four, which we're going to call uh, A New Hope for Security. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if we can put in a little Star Wars theme. I don't know if that's legal or not. Maybe a bit. We'll deal with the hive of scum and villainy uh, over, the <laughs> of, over the course of this conversation. So we've talked about the remote control tool and using it with various things, including break fix versus managed services and some best practices. Um, today's topic is all about security. So I assume that you're going to tell us that take control uh, is secure by default, right? We assume that. Um, yep. uh, but tell me what I can expect um, with regard to security and this tool. Sure. So obviously we, we've built it secure by default, but we have to get into what that means to, for that to really be, you know, be a meaningful statement. We focused on making sure that we've thought about the kinds of data protection standards that you might be encountering. So for example, if you're European, you know, the, the product is GDPR ready. So we, we've positioned it in a, and, and made sure that we're ready to take on all of your needs from a GDPR perspective. We also have support for HIPAA compliance so that, that we've, uh, we've thought through the way it would be used in a medical space and, and made sure that we are HIPAA, you know, we, we've got the support for HIPAA compliance. It's got cryptology built right into it, so it meets the FIPS 1402 cryptographic standards so that you can check that checkbox off. And by minimum, we're using AES 256 data encryption so that you know that that is a good level of secure encryption communicating between it. We've got a multiple layer of authentication, which I know we'll dive into, into which includes two-factor authentication. We've designed it so sessions can only be created by authorized users. And you've got the ability to lock the PC. You've got the ability to prevent auto sleep and auto lock. And you've got inactivity disconnects. We've made it so that when you're working with the clipboard, the data is deleted at the end of each session. And we've got idle sessions timeout control. So if you leave, it, you leave a session idle, it's not going to be open for too long so that it'll time out and disconnect so you're not leaving exposure out. So we've got a, a lot of different ways that we've thought about security and built it right into the product. Very cool. So I guess if you're going to have an RMM tool, by definition, you got to secure it in a lot of different ways. Exactly. So um, tell me a bit, if you don't mind, about the two-factor authentication. So exactly what am I getting? Sure. Well, let's take a quick moment and define what two-factor authentication is, because oftentimes we kind of gloss over it without like taking the moment to think about it. Two-factor authentication is the idea that we want to make things secure by verifying who the user is that's connecting in, you know, that, that's using the system and connecting in by more than one factor. So one factor would be the idea of I have a password and I can get in. But of course, you know, password may be insecure, or may have been floated around, you know, maybe you're sharing it. We want to make sure that you actually have two factors. 
factors. Now there's generally the way we think about factors is, you know, maybe something, you know, like a password, uh, something you are like a retinal scan or a, or a fingerprint or something like that. Or the other thing is something that you have. And the idea behind two factor authentication is, is we're going to combine two of those factors. We're going to take something, you know, a password with something you have, which is the authenticator. So you, so that you're using your, you know, the authentication app or, or texting, you know, that, that kind of get that information that you, you know, usually your experience is that was that code that rotates. So the idea is we're going to have two factors. It's a big deal because that means we're ensuring that the person who's getting in is exactly who they say they are and is authorized to be in there. Because your remote access tool really is a gateway to all your customers' machines, the servers, and ultimately all of their data. So even the most comprehensive of, a, of passwords is remains vulnerable to attack. So we want to make it in a way that where the, the protocol and procedure exists that makes your login more than just a username password combo. You got to do that. So two-factor authentication does exactly that it, with the use of both your username and password and a time-based one-time password which is generated by the use of a third-party generator app, it's very, very difficult to compromise your account. And we've enabled that at an account level, so each authenticator is uniquely keyed to that individual login. So the login and the authenticator are paired. You thus have two factors of authentication that make sure only you, that, that, that authorized user, can get in. So every tech has their own... Exactly. And you generally put those authenticator apps, you know, you put it on your phone is, is a, you know, your smartphone is a great way to have that. Most people are familiar with that in terms of the way that that, that works. It's, it's become pretty commonplace. It's because it's such a good level of security. Right. So sometimes I think clients are bored with security. You know, they don't understand it uh, or on any given day, you know, uh, it doesn't affect them. Right. So, right. How is this a selling point? You know what I mean? Um, what's the client-facing story on security? Sure. You know, it's, it's funny because, because you don't think about security un, until something happened and you really wish you'd thought about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you really think about security as a risk mitigation strategy. It's the same kind of way that you think about insurance, right? You have insurance, not because you need it every single day, but because when you need it, you really need it. <laughs> Something has happened and you want to be able to mitigate that risk. You, know, you want to think about, more importantly than anything is, is can you afford the damage to your reputation? You know, in a lot of regions now, reporting on breaches is something that's actually required. We see it in Europe. Uh, California is passing some of the new data protection standards that are, are nearly as tough as the Europeans. We see those in, in states like Massachusetts. You know, we have an expectation that that's going to continue to go up, and we have lots and lots of uh, thinking on the way that's going to happen. You know, can you afford the damage to your reputation if you have to go forth and report being breached to all of your customers or to the community. You know, that, that's, a, that's a real problem. And what do you know everything that you have to report depending on where you're at? You know, the laws are slightly different. And, and so I really do want everyone to think about this, not as a day-to-day, -day, hey, I want to make sure that, that I'm, I'm practicing it, but more from the perspective of I'm in the business of mitigating risk, particularly from a managed services perspective. And I want to make sure to, to, to balance what a mistake might cost me, you know, in terms of lost business, in terms of reputation, in terms of reporting, in terms of dealing with my 
my insurance. There's just so many components to this of what it's going to cost that we want to think about that perspective and putting some investment into consistent security. That's the mitigation of that. All righty. Let me switch gears. So um, with take control, I can have both announced and unannounced sessions. So yep. can you define those and, and maybe talk about each of them? I mean, because there are some ethical questions there as well as just the technology. Yeah, there really are. Um, and so, so let's define those two things first. So, so, so let, if we want to define what an announced session is, what that means is that the software is going to declare that it's being connected to. You know, you're, you're the end user, you're working on the system, and a pop-up comes up to say, hey, a tech has connected to your system and you are now notified about it. So that's, that's an announced connection. But from an unannounced connection, it's exactly the opposite of that, right? The software is silent and it doesn't matter or not whether or not you're connected or not. The, it's, the software is not going to declare that to the end user. So this is important because by offering those two, you know, by offering both those options, we let you engage with your customers the way that you want to do it and whatever your policies are. So let's get into that sort of human side of this. And so, by the way, I got to start and I will end with this conversation with, I am not a lawyer, so you <laughs> consult with one. So this is not right. legal recommendation. This is just thinking through what, what, the, uh, what the question should be and what the obligations are. So you want to start with what the definition of privacy is, both at your company, the service provider, the MSP, and what privacy means for your customers. You know, how have they defined privacy and what is the expectation of privacy on those customers' machines. It's why we see things like pop-ups that say, this computer is being monitored. It's so that we've declared that to users about exactly what our intention is and what our policy is around that. And what is their company policy on monitoring? You know, have they, do they have a policy around monitoring? Have they said that any systems connected to their work resources will be monitored, including potentially your private pieces? You wanna make sure that your customers have those policies. And you've also got to ask, you know, what is the expectation for, your, for the, the employees, for both you and for your customer? You know, do they have an expectation set of privacy? Do they expect to be monitored? Are they aware of that? You know, what is their understanding and what do you have to report? You know, what do you have to tell them, both from a legal perspective and also just from a policy perspective? How does the company feel about telling their employees? Again, I'm not a lawyer on this, so I'm not giving legal advice, but what I am also pointing out is this is all an opportunity to do consulting with those customers. This is really the high value stuff. This is the bit where you're delivering additional value, helping them solve business problems, and by the way, that's the software lets you do that. Very good. So do you think that MSP should um, have a client sign-up sheet where they um, look at the kinds of remote activities that they would allow and make a choice? I mean, should there, should there actually be a checkbox that they uh, have to, you know, check with regard to remote access? Uh, is, or is that overkill? You know, I actually think that it's good discipline to do that and it's good to set expectations with your customers and with their employees. I think that actually shows a lot of, of both initiative and proactiveness, which we're looking for from a good service provider, but it's that high value stuff we were talking about. Is It's that engagement that means a lot. The good news here is you can define this in the terms of service. 
the software actually lets you do that because it really is a best practice that the more the customer knows, the better. And the more they feel that they understand what's going on and the more they understand that, they really do feel the value of that relationship. So I, I tend to say, yeah, I think this is good measure and I think it goes the extra mile and it really does differentiate you from potential competitors. Right. And at some level, knowing the boundaries of what I've given uh, is actually the definition of privacy. Right? Exactly. So, um, and you, you mentioned earlier timeout options. So uh, if I get called away from a session, obviously I want it to time out. Um, is that a configurable option? Absolutely. So you've got the ability to, to configure it to lock the PC, for example, when the session goes idle and, and disconnects. You have the ability to control whether or not the machine auto sleeps, to set it if it automatically locks. You've got the ability to set how long till of inactivity till it does disconnect. And by the way, it's doing cleanup. So when you, at the end of each session, it's going to take care of cleaning the clipboard so you're not left with data on either side that, been, you know, that you're mentally behind. And you can do all of the timeout control on idle sessions. Okay, it's time for the big reveal. So you've got this cool new thing called the Secrets Vault. What exactly is the Secrets Vault within the Take Control tool? So we're super excited about it. And we're pleased to, to be able to introduce the latest offering. And it's the, uh, the new feature, the Take Control Secrets Vault. So unlike any of those other mainstream password type applications, the Secret Vault delivers the secured secrets only to the in-session viewer. And thus it's delivering the secured data directly to the target endpoint. So you, additionally, your customers gonna have the ability to key their passwords straight into the vault so that the techs responsible for performing the connection never have to be aware of that secured string ever. So your customer can set their password and then can make sure that your techs never get access to that and it's truly secure. So one important fact here that when you create a secrets vault, that vault is secured and encrypted using a password of your choosing. This way you're entirely in charge of the security of the data at rest in the system. Once created, you've got full granular control over which technicians and target hosts may access this vault. All the while saving the knowledge that at no time are any of the secrets visible or easily discernible. So it works pretty simply. You'll actually notice the feature right in our management menu, being able to find Secrets Vault. Selecting this allows you to create a vault. A vault is a grouped storage location in which you store all of your customers' credentials safely. What's important is that each vault can be accessible to one individual or a whole group of technicians, depending on how you configure the permissions. And you can store as many of the secrets as, as you require. So then you're able to add those beyond that. And this is where it differs from a lot of the other password management applications. Once the secret is created, there's no way the data can be lifted, retrieved, or copied to a clipboard memory space or anything shareable. The secrets may only be deployed to an in-session remote viewer. And additionally, the remote viewer must be displaying a login or other authentication screen Otherwise, the secrets are still inaccessible. So that's the moment where you move your remote session to the point where the credentials are in, required to be injected. The solution actually auto-detects and presents you the available secrets that you can choose from without revealing that. So you don't actually get to see the secret content. 
you choose which one you want to use for authenticating, you click insert, and the secret credentials are automatically inserted. And if the correct credentials are inserted, the remote machine unlocks, and your texts get in there providing support to the machine, all the while never actually having seen the password. Wow. So do you think this kind of super secret remote support is a selling point? Uh, you know, is it something that you could lead with on a, like a sales call? Absolutely, because you're able to really talk about how confidential you're managing their data. They can set up an account within, your, within their own systems and set up a password that you never even know. <laughs> so that way they can ensure you really only have access when you're allowed to. You know, it keeps the doors always locked. And because those SMBs are, are you know, targeted, are, are broadly targeted as opposed to specifically, this allows them to set up really secure passwords that nobody has to remember that's always stored in the vault and really make sure that they're, they're positioned well. It really does make it so that they, your customer, can feel really comfortable with you and your security configuration. Very cool. Well, thank you very much. As always, it's great to talk to you. Uh, we've been talking today with Dave Sobel, who is the Senior Director of MSP Evangelism at SolarWinds MSP. This is part four in a six-part series. So join us next time. We're going to talk about a super cool new tool called Request View in Take Control. Thank you, sir. Thank you.